Welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. This week, we have a great conversation with Rob Parsons, CEO, and Catherine Hill, UK Director of Care for the Family, a national charity that invests in making the family life better. They're interviewed by Simon Barrington, founder and director of Forge Leadership. So today on the Forge Leadership podcast, I'm joined by Rob Parsons, who's the chief executive of Care for the Family, and Catherine Hill, who's the UK director of uh, the same charity. The charity has been going for nearly 30 years now and specialises in a national movement to support uh, people in marriages and family life uh, with parenting and bereavement skills. Rob and Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, Rob, tell us how Care for the Family uh, started and the original vision and how you got involved. Well, I was a senior partner in quite a large legal practice at the time. I was about uh, 40 years old and I was already taking a day a week off the legal practice to help run a church on a vast housing estate, about 20,000 people, and seeing incredible needs in families. And I noticed that there were lots of charities that came to the bottom of the cliff and put families together when they broke up, and they were doing a great job. And I wanted to try and help in that. But I realized that there was a tremendous need for somebody to put a fence at the top of the cliff Mm. to begin talking about not only rescuing people, but prevention. And so we began Care for the Family with that very much in mind. How could we really encourage people to put strength into the relationship before they were married? How could we encourage people to come on marriage courses while their marriages were still good? How could we get people on courses to bring up teenagers when their kids were six, seven, eight, and nine? And and that really captured my imagination. And so um, in 1988, actually, uh, Care for the Family was born. Wow. And Catherine, tell us how how you got involved in in the organisation. Well, Sam, I used to be a family lawyer, so I was involved doing um, helping people through divorce, and then there was uh, custody, care proceedings, all the kind of tough stuff, really, of family breakdown. And um, and then I stopped doing that and had our four children. And I think at that time, I realized that um, I, yeah, I felt sort of, I wanted to do something that would help people um, a bit further upstream. Um you know, I think it, there's a really important job for lawyers in the way that they manage um, family breakdown when it happens. But I just really wanted to, to make a difference. So to, to help couples is not always possible, but uh, help them um, work at their relationships. And um, yeah, I ended up coming to it. it's a long story. Um, <laughs> but through an amazing series of meetings, um, I started working for Care for the Family. And I began just working one day a week on a project that was um, in relation to marriage preparation and trying to uh, encourage couples who were marrying, not just in the church, but in the register office to do that just one day a week. And um, that was 12, 13, 14 years ago now. Wow. And, and Rob, um, over the nearly 30 years that you know, you've invested in this early intervention and prevention ministry um, for families what kind of changes have you seen in in family life and what kind of new challenges exist today that that maybe you've never thought of uh, maybe 30 years ago well I think in some ways family life is very very similar but what we're seeing increasingly is an increasing breakdown of the extended family I mean, for example, when I was a kid, I mean, you you lived near your grandparents, perhaps aunties and uncles. And and I think families in those days would counsel one another. So a woman would say, 
my baby's crying all night and the woman next door or the auntie across the road would say, oh, that's pretty normal or my husband's driving me crazy. And, and people would talk about those things. And increasingly, that's not the case. Mm. We have more communication than ever, but families live very isolated lives. Mm. And sometimes a couple will have their first child hundreds of miles away um, from, their, from their own parents and their, their extended family. And I think to some extent, care for the family stands in the shoes of the extended family. So increasingly, we're seeing uh, the need for that. I also think um, increasingly, I, I'm seeing the idea that, that love is just a feeling. I think sometimes, sometimes people say to me on a radio or television interview, what do you think the greatest threat to family life is? And I, I think it is this increasing idea that love is just a feeling. Mm-hmm. And when I stop feeling in love, then I walk away and find somebody else and we begin again. Mm. But, you know, I, I got to write my books uh, in a, um, a little cottage overlooking Carmarthen Bay, Simon, in okay. West Wales. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was on the beach. It was an August day. The sun was shining. It was just beautiful. And, and as I'm walking back to the cottage, I say to an old fisherman, it's idyllic, isn't it? He said, you should see it in January. <laughs> and when I walked on the next day, it was equally beautiful. Yeah. But it was as if I, I, I felt the sun and the sea and the hills whisper to me, would you love us in January? Yeah. And January love comes to every relationship yeah. where somehow we have to, to fight to keep love alive, where we have to love not just because of, but in spite of, to love not just with our heart, but with our will. And increasingly, I think in modern society, we are less willing to even try that. Now, I know it's not possible or even desirable to keep every relationship together. Mm. Nevertheless, unless we're prepared to fight to keep love alive, mm. we'll, we'll have no long-term relationship with, with anybody. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. We, we often talk at Care for the Family about um, the consumer society that we live in. And my mobile phone broke recently and I took it to be repaired and I just got given a new one. Yeah. Um, and that way of thinking has crept into the way that we uh, look at our relationships. And, um, you know, we, we apply that kind of consumer mentality to it. And so we're passionate about giving couples and parents the tools to be able to work through the difficulties that come to all of us. That, that's great. What, what kind of uh, tools do you give families to help them persevere through when they hit those January moments? Um, what, what, what kind of interventions are you involved in and, and, and what kind of impact do you see those tools having on, on families and, and, and family life? Well, in terms of the actual things that we do, so we go around the country speaking at events. Uh, we have courses, we have books, we have loads of stuff on our website. Uh, and the the kind of thing that we talk about, we we come along as uh, fellow travellers. We say, this is not just you. You're not the only couple that have drifted apart and hit that creeping separateness. You're not the only couple that are just wondering where it all went wrong with your teenager or a struggling with a, a toddler or whatever. Mm. And sometimes just giving couples that that knowledge that they're not alone um, is all that they need. And they go away just feeling more confident. But we give some practical tools as well. And we we talk about uh, skills for communication, how to argue well in a way that's, uh, that the issue is resolved, how to forgive. Um, in the marriage ones, we talk about the importance of the sexual relationship, how to show each other that we love each other, all those kind of practical things as well. But, um, and we always say at our events, if people just go with one thing that they can do differently, then it will have been worth coming. Mm, that's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love that. <laughs> love what you guys are doing. Um, it struck me, Rob, as you were talking about um, families and 
parenting and staying together and persevering that actually there's a lot of similarities between being a leader and, and leading in a family, isn't there? You know, there must have been times over that 30 years when, you know, you were really challenged in, in growing the ministry and growing as, as a leader. And you've both been involved in leading in, in the corporate sector as lawyers and, uh, and now in the charity sector. What are some of the challenges you've faced as leaders and uh, how have you faced up to those um, in, in your ministry? Well, I think that's right. I mean, we have getting on 100 staff now. We have five offices here. Uh, and all those things bring enormous opportunity, but incredible challenges. Mm. And you are absolutely right, Simon. It's very much like being married. I, I remember in the early days, you'd get together with a group of fellow leaders and you say, oh, boy, we all get on so long so well, don't we? Aren't we lucky? And why do other leaders have so much trouble? And, and then suddenly out of a clear blue sky, yeah. you know, trouble will come. Yeah. One of you will upset somebody. One will feel betrayed. Yeah. Somebody will feel insecure or threatened. And, and suddenly you're having to deal with that old thing of relationships. Yeah. And can you stay together? Can you move through the difficulty? Is it time to part? Can I actually forgive? Mm. And and those are very real issues mm. for, for every organization. But I'm telling you, the relationships are more important than anything. Yeah. No business can thrive mm. while the leaders are not in good relationship. They mm. can make it over one or two years, but they cannot mm. thrive uh, long term. And that's th- true for a charity, for a church, for whatever kind of organization. Relationships are paramount. Mm. And we invest in those a lot at Care for the Family in terms of the leadership team, but also in relationships with the managers and just you know, everybody together, whatever role there is. Um, we really try and invest in that and hold that highly. Mm. So what kind of things do you do to, to build that sense of family within the organisation, a relationship within in the organisation? What's the rhythm of, of your life and the pattern of your life together as, as organisation? Well, you know, we, we, we meet together. Uh, we're an organisation with Christian roots. So we, we, we pray together. We acknowledge that we're not bright enough or wise enough to sort out all our own kind of hassles and even spot the incredible opportunities there. So we, we, we do uh, uh, pray, pray together. But Stephen Covey talks about something called the emotional bank. He talks about in relationships, you have to get stuff in the bank for when the hard times come. Yeah. And that's true if you're a parent, for example. We say uh, with regard to bringing up kids, particularly in the teenagers, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. You've got to have relationship in the bank. So actually, uh, three or four times a year, we go away for a couple of nights together. Okay. We brainstorm. We we kind of blue sky think. But we also play games together. Yeah. We muck about. We <laughs> laugh together. We sometimes have a glass of wine yeah. together. Yeah. We, other, we're trying to get stuff in the bank yeah. because we know that however good we are and however much we care for each other, however much we're committed, Hassle will come. Mm. We will hurt each other. Mm. We'll let each other down. Mm. And we need stuff then in that emotional bank. Mm. Yeah, and that's so that going away together, that's the four of us that are on the leadership team. But as well as that, we have um, days where we get all the managers together and then we get the rest of the staff together. And then twice a year, we also go away together for what we call our staff conference. And there's a wonderful mixture there of fun. We had an It's a Knockout competition (laughs) last year with lots of funny games but some hard and serious stuff as well some incredible stories of some of the families that we've been able to help um people finding out the people that maybe work in the office and aren't on the front line and they don't have contact with the families just then really seeing the difference that um their job makes so 
And I think the other thing we have, we have three values that we talk about a lot. Uh, they're vulnerability. Um, we call it, uh, the next one is honouring the least. So treating everybody uh, with respect. And the third one, generosity of spirit. And again, that's something that's really owned, I think, throughout the organisation. We don't always get it right, but that's what we what we aim for. That's really interesting that you have vulnerability as one of your values. Uh, Rob, tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, you know, this came out of a personal experience for me, really, just after the birth of my son, Lloyd. So we're going back now well over 30 years. Uh, My wife, Dan, became quite ill. She went through a depressive illness for a while and the immune system crashed. And, and, you know, we I was a hotshot lawyer. I was I could make it happen for other people. People came to me and Rob would fix it. But I couldn't fix this. And I remember one night uh, kneeling with a friend in the darkness of my home. Dan was in bed upstairs and. And just praying and crying and thinking I'm totally vulnerable. But mm. but what we discovered was this, that two of the most precious words you can say to another person are, me too, I've been there. Mm. Um, my teenagers give me a tough time, me too. We're going through a tough time in our marriage. Oh, we've been through that. Mm. I'm in trouble financially. I remember we struggled. And the incredible thing, if you do that in the right spirit, mm. you don't depress people. You actually set them free. Mm. And so I spoke to about 20 of our volunteers uh, some time ago, and I said, look, you're going to work for Care for the Family, and we're grateful. But if you've got a perfect marriage and you resent being here because you could be walking in the moonlight with your husband, (laughs) or or you've got three perfect kids and they save their pocket money for Shakespeare study guides, and you can't wait to share your gems with the world, you're probably not our kind of person. Mm. We need those who've cried a little, Mm. those who've had broken hearts. And and, and Sam, that is very important for us in care for the family. Mm. You know, the good book says, uh, when we're weak, we're strong. Mm. And I believe that with all my heart. Yeah, I resonate so much with that, um, Rob. And just a few weeks ago, we had uh, Sim Dendy on the podcast. And he, he was just saying, vulnerability is just a long word for saying, I need help. <laughs> and uh, it's so true, isn't it? You know, uh, we need one another. We need that support. And actually, vulnerability opens up access for people into our own pain and come and yeah. allows people to come alongside us and uh, and engage with us on the journey. But you know, for a leader, Simon, it's a little bit tricky yeah. because on the one hand, you want to be vulnerable, but on the other hand, you've got to lead. Mm. Yeah. When you're in the middle of a war, you don't particularly want Churchill to be vulnerable. No. Um. You know. So so I think for every leader. There's that choice, but I'm confident you need a small group of people around you Mm. who know you well, Mm. that you desperately can be vulnerable. But at the same time as that, you have to lead. And sometimes you can't wear your heart in your sleeve uh, with everybody. You can't Mm. be moping around everywhere. And you have to have the guts to just sometimes go for it, I think, even when you don't feel like it. Mm. That's great advice. Great advice. Um, In terms of other things that you look for people, for in people that you bring into the organization. Uh, maybe you look for them to share your values about vulnerability and generosity, et cetera. But uh, what else do you look for as you're hiring good people uh, to come in? You shared a little bit about that in terms of broken hearts, but what else do you look for? How do you, how do, you do the recruitment bit of making sure that you have people who really align with, with uh, what you're about as an organization? 
Yeah, so in, in the interviews, I mean, we always come back to something Bill Hybels talks about. You know, he talks about you want competence. You obviously want someone who has the skills to be able to do the job that you're recruiting them for. Um, but more than that, because some skills can be taught, um, we're looking at the heart. We, we're looking for the chemistry, the right chemistry. We kind of click with them. You know, they like us. We like them. Um, they fit in with our, our culture. Um yeah. And what is the And then C? character. Character, you know, that's the one. <laughs> Those three C's. Um. <laughs> no, and character, absolutely. And yeah. and I think we want to, um, in the way that we lead, we want an organisation where, where people are doing their best they're trying their hardest um there's that wonderful phrase isn't it you know we, we work as if it depended on us and we pray as if it depended on god and that's kind of at the heart of of what we do but also a place where actually we're all going to make mistakes and um, where people feel able to admit that and then we all rally together and um and try and you know sort out whatever it is that's gone wrong um but we we work quite hard at that as well we do. I mean, we try to recruit what we call the best people, um, but that's a given. Mm. Yeah, character is vital. We mm. took on a guy um, about a year ago uh, who was helping us in the whole area of, uh, you know, the, the new digital world and all that was happening. Mm. And I sat down with him before uh, we started and I said, look, you, you, you're a million miles ahead of just about everybody else who's applied. Mm. And we want you to join us and we believe you can do this job effectively. Mm. But I'm telling you now. If you're a prima donna, if you're difficult to get on with, if you're angular, you won't get on with us. And it would be far better, although we'd love to have you, if you didn't join us, because we'll drive each other crazy. And what I've discovered, Simon, is you can say that in an interview, but it's very hard to say it six months down the road. Yeah. Or even six weeks down the road. But we're very clear that relationships matter to us. I've seen organizations die on the vine because people just can't get on with each other. Now, you've both been in business and uh, been successful in business. Um, And Rob, you wrote a book a number of years back called The Heart of Success about how do you make it in business without losing in life Uh, do you see that as a real tension for people who are uh, seeking to love their families but also uh, be successful in work and and what advice do you give to leaders who maybe are winning away and losing at home I wrote that book and another book called the the 60 minute father and mistakes I felt I'd made when my children were very small I think I was just too busy I was trying to say yes to everybody but Sometimes when we say yes to the whole world, we say no to those whom we have primary responsibility. Mm. I, I remember it very well. I'd come home late at night. My wife had long since tried, given up trying to talk to me. I was busy in the law practice. But two small children would be trying to share their day with me, but I'd be on another planet, mm. practically comatose, mm. until the telephone rang and suddenly I'd come alive. Mm. And I think a little boy and a little girl were saying, you know, this really matters to him. Mm. And Simon, three things kept me in that lifestyle longer than they should have. Number one, I wanted them to have more than I had. We had a very poor childhood. I wanted them to have more. But one psychologist put it well. We're so busy giving our kids what we didn't have. We don't have to give them what we did have. Mm. Secondly, I used to say to myself, a slower day is coming. Life won't always be this busy. Mm. That, of course, is a total illusion. Mm. And thirdly, I'd forgotten how fast the door of childhood closes. Mm. 
I'd be reading my little girl a bedtime story. The phone would ring downstairs. She'd say, Daddy, please don't go. I'll be back in a moment. I'd take those stairs five at a time and make the phone call. And after an hour, I'd remember I'd done finished the bedtime story. I'd rush back upstairs and the light would be on and the book would be by her head. But little eyes had fought to stay awake as long as they possibly could. And you know what, Simon? I've done some interesting things since then. I've been, in, as I say, a senior partner of a law office. I've been involved in murder trials. I think I've written 25 books. I've lectured all over the world. All those things have involved me having tens of thousands of business calls. Mm. Almost all have been described as urgent. Mm. I can't remember one. Mm. Not one. Mm. I couldn't have waited 10 minutes while I finished a bedtime story. Mm. And one day it dawned on me, unless I changed, mm. the things I mattered most to me were slipping through my fingers. And I'm grateful to God that, that I did manage to change. Mm. I think we have to be ruthless actually in some of the decisions that we make okay. so it's not just when our children are little so we have four children and they're they've grown now um but the role that i have at the moment that rob has as well involves quite a lot of travel uh quite a lot of being away from home uh, when we're speaking at events and i've learned we've learned and we we often get it wrong but we have to be really ruthless richard and i that's my husband we have to be ruthless about uh allowing space for each other um, when one of us has been away and and we come back. Otherwise, we just don't connect. We miss each other. We get irritable. And I think, gosh, you know, we're working so very well, working for care for the family. But what about our family? So I think it's something we have to continually, well, I certainly have to continually keep in mind and, and work at and adapt because we have different seasons of family life and different seasons of work as well yeah, it's one of those things you have to have constant attention to really isn't it you know because seasons do change don't they and things that work in one season don't necessarily work in another how do you help families through that yeah no that is you're, you're absolutely right and 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 you know the season that hits some families uh well if they have kids every family will be normally the empty nest mm -hmm. and and suddenly the kids are gone mm -hmm. one woman wrote to me and said suddenly i walked past the two tidy bedroom and and unless you've built your relationship with your partner your husband your wife before that happens suddenly you look at each other and think well who are you because you built your whole life around your children so it's as well not just to live in the season that we're in but to look ahead to the seasons that are coming and and realize that you you have to plan a little for those as well and I think some of the leadership lessons that we, we learn in the workplace, um, I mean, we've touched on this already, but, you know, the planning and the thinking ahead and the making time and all those things that they apply in the home uh, just as much, but obviously in a different in a different context. That's so true, isn't it? You know, the, the fact that actually as as parents were, were leading many organisations. In fact, is there enough done, do you think, at a national level um, to invest in parents and, and, and the leadership skills that they actually need to lead their families well? Well, that's an interesting question, Simon. I mean, we, we work a little bit in the area of policy. Yeah. I kind of head that up. Um, and we um, quite often find ourselves in London sitting around the table with some of the um, other third sector organisations such as Relate and uh, Marriage Care, One Plus One, Tavistock Centre, the, the organisations that receive government funding um, to do this work. And I think the need is so great um, that there's always more that can be done. But the most amazing resource is available through volunteers. We work a lot through volunteers um, and a lot through churches. And uh, if 
all the churches closed down and all the volunteers weren't there anymore, then I think the government would realise what a massive amount of support is given to families on that basis. And we we love working like that. We have befriending, we have uh, projects that are run um, by volunteers on the ground courses. And I think the more that the government can do in that area, um, the better. But obviously, you know, resources are tight. And, um, and but I think, yeah, it could, we could always be doing a lot more. Now, both of you have a wealth of experience of, of leading in life and, and, and leading large organisations and making an incredible impact on family life um, across the UK. Um, what didn't they teach you in business school or university that you've had to learn that you wish you could pass on to young leaders as they're thinking about starting their own charity or um, starting their own business? Rob, what, what one or two things would you pass on to, to young leaders that you wish they, you'd known when you were you know, starting Care for the Family when you were 40? Well, I think probably that we're all a lot more insecure than we think. That that leaders are particularly mm. insecure, uh, but we have to be a little careful about that. Uh, somebody once said, "If you really want to achieve, surround yourself with people who are better than you." Now, because of our insecurity, we don't often do that. We want people who are worse than us because then mm. we can control them. But if I do that, I'm as good yeah. as it gets. But if I can have the security to surround myself with people who are better, there's almost no end uh, to what I to what I can do. And I'll tell you what, if I'd learned that a lot faster, I think uh, I'd have made progress a bit faster too. Mm. It's, it's about identity, do you think? It's about that sense of knowing who you are and being secure in your own skin. You've got to know, you've got to know who you are. But the truth is, for most of us, and I know very few exceptions to this, that comes with the years. You mm. get more secure, you, you're more comfortable in your own skin. And when you begin, you're trying to prove yourself to the whole world. And when I see people who really achieve, they are teachable. They're a strange mixture of incredible leaders. So they're very positive. You'd follow them, you know, anywhere in life. But they are teachable. They're willing to learn. They're willing to change. And certainly Catherine and I have uh, have discovered that over the years as we've tried to employ people. Definitely. And I think, um, Sam, what you're saying about identity, um, that would definitely that would definitely be, be one thing for me. I think um, I wish people had explained, I wish I'd learned earlier on how to um, how to be in a meeting where there wasn't consensus and how to mm-hmm. make my point well and then just leave it. So I would, in the early days, veer between um, not saying anything because mm-hmm. I felt totally intimidated um, or making the point and then people didn't seem to be agreeing so being like a dog with a bone going back and back and keeping on and on and on rather than just making it and then saying okay I've made my point other people have made theirs and and not taking it personally um so those would be yeah those would be a few things I I wish I'd learned earlier and you've got to have the guts to go for things you know they, I love the story of yeah. the woman that said to her CEO but boss what if the new idea doesn't work he said no problem Doris We'll just go back to what wasn't working before. 
That's fantastic. Yeah, cool. So how, how how does your senior team work together? So Catherine, you're on the senior team with Rob and you have a couple of others as well. How, how do you work together and get the best out of one another so that you are recruiting people that are better than yourself, so that you are better than the sum of the parts, um, so that you can go further and also so that, you know, there's a legacy left in the organisation that is long lasting and sustainable. How, how do you achieve that amongst the four of you? Well, I think um, some of the stuff that we've already been talking about, I think we we work hard with that. So there are four of us. Some of it is about us knowing what we bring to the party, knowing what our gifts are and being secure in that. So um, Rob's role is obviously the, the chief exec, the um, you know, chairman, the founder. Um and then my role is similar to his in terms of it's more it's outward facing, but um, the writing and the speaking and that sort of thing. And then the other two, Rob, uh, Robin and Paula, um, they're much more operational and they're really gifted at, at that. And so it's kind of knowing how, uh, yeah, leaving them to do those bits that they do best. They're allowing us to do the bits we do best. And then cons- we meet together regularly. We work hard at our relationship and uh Generally, we don't move forward on well. We don't move forward on any big decisions unless we're all in agreement. Yeah, I I, I love to 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 do that. We we try to lead. We try to move forward. But I, the Bible the Bible says there's wisdom in many counselors. Mm. And honestly, it's 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 difficult because sometimes if you've got a difficult person leadership team, they'll always pull you mm. back. You know, you you they always say, well, let's move it forward to the next week. Let's put it on the agenda for next time. So you want to lead. But largely, I believe there's wisdom in many councillors. And if possible, really try and take the whole team together uh, as one. And we laugh. We laugh a lot. We have we have a lot of fun. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you, be careful who joins that leadership team. Because the the addition of one person to that leadership team will affect it enormously. You better make sure that they're of the character particularly that will uh, will gel and enable you to move forward together. And I think we try and we try and support each other personally as well. Um, so you know, there's obviously in every family stuff goes on, and uh, so you know we're not a church, we're a, we're an organisation, but certainly within the leadership team, and um, there's that sense of accountability and care um, for each other. Yeah. I love what you guys have been sharing about vulnerability and self-awareness in a leader and perseverance and character. Just, just incredible. As we kind of wrap up and, and look to the future, what are you both excited about for uh, care for the family as you look to the future? What, what, what hope do you have for the future of the family? And uh, what are you excited about in terms of what, what you're both involved in? Well, just sparing Catherine's blushes, uh, I, I'm excited about a project that Catherine is um, is really up to her neck in at the moment. She's just written an incredible book called Left to Their Own Devices, Confident Parenting in an Age of Screens. And you know, Simon, the whole social media explosion is affecting families and particularly our children enormously. Uh, there are lots of opportunities with it, but on many, many dangers. And many of our teenagers are not doing too well, and even younger children are and in care for the family, we really want to help parents and young people and families in that whole social media thing and, and to make the best of it. And, and Catherine's spearheading that, that initiative. And I am incredibly excited about both the opportunities and helping families uh, miss some of the, the big dangers. 
and in terms of the organization uh we've we've always been you know doing little bits and pieces in this area we've you know produced um podcasts podcasts like this but uh, i think increasingly um in the way that we're structured we uh, we're in it we're endeavoring to be um more flexible to be able to respond as as things happen and to be able to reach many many more families through um all that all that's available in the digital age I met a woman at one of our events uh, not long ago. She's about 30 years old. She said, when I was a little girl, your books used to be on my parents' bookshelves. And then she said, my parents got into trouble in their marriage and they watched your Marriage Matters video. I remember filming that in the Wembley Conference Center in 1991, yeah. Simon. And then she said, we got married and somebody gave us a 60-minute marriage book. And, and then we got in trouble in our marriage and we watched 21st Century Marriage DVD. And now we run your marriage courses. I felt about 82. <laughs> But the truth of it is we've been around a long time. Even Catherine's been around <laughs> a, long, a long time doing this stuff. But you do get that sense then of not just history, but legacy. Yeah. And, um, and and I love that. You know, uh, Helen Keller, as you probably know, was uh, sick from the time she was a toddler. She was blind and mute. She learned to speak by holding her fingers against the tutor's larynx. She graduated from Cambridge College, Massachusetts. She formed the Heller Keller Home for Blind Children. She lectured all over the world. And one day she got off a plane in Los Angeles. A journalist put a microphone in her face and said, Miss Keller, can you imagine anything worse than being blind? Oh, yes, she said, to be able to see and have no vision. Mm. I won't care for the family to have that vision, mm. Simon. Uh, I believe mm. in it. Uh, well, Rob Parsons and Catherine Hill, thank you so much for joining us on uh, the, the podcast today. Um, so much wisdom there um, from years of experience. And I know I've appreciated and my family's appreciated uh, your ministry and all that you do to strengthen family life, strengthen parents, uh, strengthen those going through bereavement, sense, uh, strengthening single parent families. Um, thank you so much for what you do. And may God bless you. Thank you. No, lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you found that conversation really stimulating and engaging. You can listen to more episodes or subscribe at forge-leadership.com forward slash forge-leadership-podcast. There will be no episode next week because it's Christmas Day, but we'll be back on New Year's Day, January the 1st, 2018, with motivation and encouragement to start the new year. A very happy Christmas from all of us at Forge Leadership and see you next year.